our, our great, 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 great elder, Rob Hooker, is going to read us a little scripture word for us today. Uh, if you got your Bibles, turn to uh, Matthew 6, and we're going to be starting in verse uh, 5. Just have to say, welcome. It's good to see you. I've been in this church since I've been in like second grade, and to stand out there front and watch all the new people come in. I'm sitting there going, who are these guys? It's just so cool to see the church growing like it is. So, Okay. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, Pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many wars. words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. And in this manner, therefore, pray. And I just would, for our morning prayer, I'd wish that all you would Recite the Lord's Prayer. Just close your eyes and we'll recite it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. Am I supposed to say something? (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. I love that video. Covers, Covers a lot of things, right? While we celebrate, it seems like almost every... Every day that we have a celebration for some, somebody, some people, there's the other side of it. Rich memories, heartbreak, it's a quite a mixed thing. It's rich. This thing of motherhood is an amazing thing that God has designed. And many of you in here um, have taken on motherhood when you haven't given birth to a child yourself. It's a beautiful thing to see. You've had a lot of huge impact in lives. That's great. You mothers, we do not take you for granted, even though many times perhaps we do. Thank you for all the dishes that you have done. So we are in the midst of a sermon series entitled Spiritual Fitness or Spiritual Disciplines, getting back to the basics of our Christian faith. That's what we are doing. We have covered a few of them so far. We did biblical community. We did rhythms of rest. In fact, We needed to rest so much, it took two weeks to cover that. (laughs) Good job, Pastor Aaron. Very convicting, I must say. I can't even look at my phone the same anymore. 
Generous Living was last week, and today we are going to cover the invitation to pray. I, you know, I've heard people speak on prayer. I know a guy in the organization we used to be with, and his thing was every time we had a conference, he was going to speak on prayer. And we hear about prayer, we, we think about prayer, and for some of us, maybe it's a yawner. <sighs> okay, let's talk about prayer. Yes, I know, I should be praying more. <laughs> At the table, how does that prayer go about food? Never mind. That prayer when we go to bed, we, yeah, we offer those, those prayers up. We, we take prayer for granted so easily. And it's true. It's true. And so as we, as we talk about this today, I just want you to, I want to say personally, I have just loved the study of this. It's been convicting for me. It, and it just ticks me off. <laughs> The more I study about prayer, it's like, what's wrong with me? And I hope you feel the same way. (laughs) Not really, kind of. (laughs) If you're like me, then yes. But if you're already there, may this be an encouragement to you to keep on. Keep on going deeper in your prayers, in your relationship with God, who's invited you in to prayer before him. I want to begin with, I have three Ps, three Ps, nice alliteration. Number one, point number one, the posture of prayer. Number two, the power of prayer. And number three, the plea of prayer. All right, so here we go. The posture of prayer. What is our posture to be concerning prayer? How do we approach this thing of prayer? And I think it's critical. I think it's very important. How many times are you driving down the road? Go, Lord, help that person to go faster. (laughs) And we flip out prayers. Lord, it's so hot. Summer is finally here, but come on. Or whatever it may be. You know what? God wants us to be doing that. We'll talk more about that. A posture, first of all, let's define prayer a little bit, because when you define it, you kind of dig in to go, what is this thing we're talking about? It helps me. If you look up in the dictionary prayer, it will say a seeking, asking, entreating. It means that we are in a position of need. That's really what prayer comes from, what it is. Now, it's more than that. It's a communication with God. It's talking with God. That's what prayer is, simply put. We, we take our request to him. We worship him. We say, God, how great you are. And since the rains have left, every time we drive up this hill to this church, those mountains up there that still have snow on that with that blue sky and then the green forest below is spectacular. And it's God declaring his glory to us. And he's going, look at what I've done. And we go, Lord, you are amazing. Thank you for creating that. It's beautiful. This is prayer. This is what he has invited us into. But before we go any further in prayer and discussing prayer, 
There is a, a truth that we must understand that is critical. It is vital. And that is, we need to understand who God is. We have to understand who God is versus who we are. This makes all the difference. Who God is and who I am. Who you are before God. Of course, there are books written, the whole Bible is about who God is. And so I would just give you like five words to say who God is apart from saying he is God that says it all. He is holy. God is holy. If you just meditate on what that means, you be, it, you be, it shapes our understanding and puts us in the right perspective for prayer. God is holy. He is perfect. He is glory. There is no sin in him. Then we talk about all the qualities that he is. That's the next sermon series that Pastor Aaron has been led by God for us to go through next. And we're excited about that. We're to spend a lot of time on that. I can't wait. God is holy. He is eternal. God is eternal. So when we're praying to him, knowing he is eternal, he's been forever in the past and forever in the future, there's no beginning and there's no end and it makes our heads hurt. No, all the Advil on the planet cannot take that headache away. Because we simply cannot understand his eternality. It doesn't, doesn't work because we are finite. And he is, and the next word is, infinite. He is infinite. When we talk about infinity or his infinitude, we're not just talking about a linear sense that we have, but we're talking about how vast he is. He's infinite. He has no beginning or end or of the height or depth or whatever. He is infinite. He is sovereign. God is sovereign. That means he rules over everything. <laughs> there is nothing under which he doesn't rule, over which he doesn't rule. He rules over everything. Think about that, though, as it, re as it relates to our prayers. He rules over everything. He has it in control. He is our creator. He created us. He made you. As I think about that, the illustration falls down a little bit, but everything you look at besides yourselves in here, although we're created too, but all the other things in here are created by man. The pews you're sitting on, the carpet, these, everything that we see is made by man. It is... Something that we created, we made this stand right here. We can tell it what to do. We can destroy it if we want. It doesn't talk back to me, to us. Where it breaks down is that we are made in the image of God. And that means a whole lot. But nevertheless, he created us. He is the creator. That's who God is. And I think in our prayer life, as you go about your day, spend time reflecting on that. 
I, ch- I challenge you to do that. Just reflect on who God is. That's all. And it will put you in the right place. It can't help but put you in the right place. Because who are we? Who are we? We are finite. While he is infinite, we are finite right here. We are this small versus him going forever. We're just right here, finite. He is the creator. We are his creation. He made us. He owns us. He is holy. We are marked by sin. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. He is holy. I am sinful. The two cannot come together. That is an impossibility apart from God making it possible through his son Jesus. Our purpose is to bring glory to him and to his name. That's our purpose. In fact, our lives are most fulfilled when we live for his glory. When we bring him glory, our life has the most meaning. Our vision statement as a church, IBC's vision statement, to glorify God in all things and delight in him. This statement is right in line with what he is all about. It it declares what he is about and it declares what we are about. We are to bring him glory in everything. He demands all of that easily. That aligns with his purpose for us. Furthermore, to understand the contrast between God and you and me, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's like not even close. God is way up there and we are way down here. There is a massive gulf, chasm between us. In fact, the more we understand who God is, the more you dig into God's word and you meditate on his word and who he is and who he says he is, the greater that chasm seems to grow. Now the chasm is what it is. The reason it seems to grow is because of my understanding. It's like, oh my goodness, Lord, I discovered something more about you. And it it makes that chasm even, I understand, wait, I wasn't even close to my understanding before. And as we grow an understanding of the chasm between God and us, and we contemplate and think about the fact that Jesus died so that we could enter in a right relationship with him and we could live with him forever, how much more amazing it becomes to us of God's grace and mercy and love. As we consider our, pray, our praying life, and when we go to the Lord in prayer, R.C. Sproul says this, it is our privilege to bring the whole of our finite existence into the glory of his infinite presence. It is our privilege to bring the whole of our finite existence into the glory of his infinite presence. I love that. It's like I'm bringing my little matchbox myself into his vastness. 
That's a proper perspective. So when we pray and we enter into prayer, into communication and supplication and whatever, and praise and adoration of who God is, know that just so little, but God wants that. That's his desire for us. That's his purpose for us. So what is the result of understanding this chasm, of understanding how great our God is and who we are before our great God? What's the result of that? In our understanding, we fear God. We fear him. It's like, oh my goodness. I've got nothing. God can do whatever he wants in my life. I'm in awe of God. I trust in God. My confidence in God skyrockets. Because the more I know who God is, he's loving, he's merciful, he's a redemptive God, he's a gracious God, he wants what's best. Oh, I'm in. We bring our adoration to him, we bring our worship to him, that's how we see God. But what about us? I think of one word only, humility. It can only humble us when you recognize who God is and who we are. And to go the audacity that I can go into the presence of the most holy God and he'll hear me? He doesn't crush me? It's an amazing thing. Prayer, though, is the lifeblood of a Christ follower. Prayer is the lifeblood in our relationship with God. And because prayer is the lifeblood of all believers, then believers should be, ought to be, devoted to this thing called prayer. Devoted to it. Committed to it. Because my very relationship with God depends on it of my growing in him. He says in scripture that he's conforming us to the image of Jesus as we grow in him. He's not done with us. He will work in us until we're with Jesus to conform us to the image of him. Be devoted. I love in Acts, after Jesus had ascended, remember the, the apostles were there, the disciples were there, and they watched Jesus go up into the clouds. And then the angel cut and said, what are you guys doing? What are you doing here? Let's get going. Where did they go? They went to where they had been staying. They went into the upper room, and there were about 120 of them. It named some of the disciples, including Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was one of them that was there. Here's what it says. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. There were about 120 of them. They devoted them. The first thing they did after Jesus left, they devoted themselves to prayer. And then what happened? Pentecost. Down came the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be consistent in prayer. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer. 
in Acts 2.42, talking about that same group, those that were coming together to, to learn more about Christ, to study and to worship and so forth. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. They devoted themselves to prayer. Are we devoted to prayer? What is the pattern of your life when it comes to prayer? When I think of what we've already talked about, of the holiness of God, it has struck me that God has invited us, we'll talk more about this in a moment, but he has invited us into his presence to pray and to bring our, um, our, our, our burdens, to bring our requests to him. He's eager to hear those. And this is most holy God. My mind is blown. But I also go, how dare I take it for granted that God will hear my prayers? That it is a reverential thing. It is a huge privilege that we have that we can do that. Number, point number two is the power of prayer. A well-known verse by us all, and I learned it in the King James growing up, the fervent prayer in James 5.16, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In other words, the prayer of a righteous person, the one who is seeking the Lord that is right before him, is seeking him in earnestness, and it really is a powerful thing. God uses it. It, it matters. It's effectual. It has effect. That's the power of prayer. Proverbs 15 tell us, tells us that he hears. God hears the prayer of the righteous, so he hears but what is his response to our prayers? Listen, there are so many verses on prayer. I had to leave some out. <laughs> God's response to our prayers. I'm gonna go fast. Matthew 21, 22 says, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Mark eleven twenty four. therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. John 14 13 and 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Is there power in prayer? 1 John 5, 14 and 15, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. We have those things. He will do it. James 4, 2, you do not have because you do not ask. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you wish and it will be done for you. Sounds like a genie in a bottle. Matthew 7, 7 through 11, I won't read all of them. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So the elephant in the room is then, why doesn't God always answer our prayers? I've read these verses. I had a very rich conversation with one of us in here this week. We talked about a, a, a situation where this pastor and his wife had been serving faithful, faithfully for years and she got cancer. And many Christians, many Christ followers were mobilized to pray for her, but she died anyways. And I think of all the people that we know in our little community right here who have passed away, especially early, before their time should have been up and they died. But we prayed for them. 
And it's hard. It's heartbreaking. And it's people who love Jesus, and yet God didn't save them. And we prayed, Lord, heal them. This says, if you ask in my name, I will do it. Well, why doesn't he? What is that? It feels like a, a, a paradox. The reality versus what God is saying in his word. It doesn't seem to be right. What is up? There are a few things to keep in mind as we pray. There are prerequisites to answered prayer. Most, almost every one of the verses I just said had a condition to them. Listen to these. John 9, 31. If anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. If you're a worshiper of God and you do his will, he'll listen to you. John 14. 13 and 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified. And I read this one already. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done. 1 John 3, 22, because we keep his commandments and do what he pleases. Before that, it says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what he pleases. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What up? What's up with that? So there's no doubt in my mind in this case of this pastor's wife who loved Jesus, was serving Jesus, loved him so much and was stricken with cancer, I have no doubt in my mind that the people who were praying for it were righteous. They were praying in Jesus' name. They were doing these things. But God did not answer in the affirmative. Well, I've, there's a simple answer, right? First, there's a simple answer. Remember we talked about who God is? Remember we talked about who God is? He is sovereign. He rules over all. He is holy, he's perfect, he does nothing wrong, there is no sin in him. He is our creator, he created all of this. There's one thing I did not mention, and that is he is on mission. God is on mission. He's not static. He's not sitting around twiddling his thumbs. God is on mission. He has in our, from our perspective, direction. He knows what he is doing. We must understand that. The other pieces we talk about who he is, his ways are higher than ours. They're not ours. He is up here. He is infinite and we're finite. We can no way understand what he is up to. Sometimes he allows us to see what he is doing. Sometimes he allows us to see the results of a prayer that was answered no. And we go, wow, Lord, thank you for not answering my prayer. There's a few cases where he says, okay, fine, you keep begging me for that, I'm going to give it to you. Remember the Israelites? They had manna in the wilderness. God had taken care of them, and they were sick and tired of manna. They go, no, we want meat. Man, let's go back to Egypt where we had meat. And they keep begging. He finally says, fine, I'll give you meat. Just be, be ready, here it comes. It's gonna be a bunch of quail, and quail was wonderful to eat. Tender bird, wonderful. They ate and ate and ate until it was coming out their nostrils. Be careful what you wish for, be careful what you pray for. 
pray. Now, in the prayer of those murmuring Egypt, or Egyptians, Israelites out in the wilderness, were they praying according to God's will? Was it wrong for them to say, boy, we'd love some meat? Not so wrong. Not so wrong. But the attitudes that we read about how they did that, wrong. And God said, okay, that scares me, you all. Because I know in, in here, when I really want something, Lord, I'd love that. I'd be great. There's a part of me in the back of my mind, I'm going, stop doing that lots. He may give it to you, and it may not be what he wants, because you keep begging him for it, it will be a disaster. I'm going, okay, Lord, according to your will, <laughs> if it's good, Lord, make it happen. God is on mission. And so there may be prayers that you pray that he's going, no, I'm not answering that because that's not my plan. You'll see. Maybe you'll see. Sometimes he shows us, sometimes he doesn't. Eventually, someday, and I look forward to when we're in heaven, go, Lord, remember that time in, in 2021 and we had that pandemic going on? Could you show us some video of what was going on behind the scenes? Right? Because he's on mission, y'all. He's on mission. Nothing is catching him by surprise. He's got it under control because he's sovereign. And so that makes a difference as we approach him in prayer. There is great power in prayer. But we submit everything to him in prayer. We submit it all to his will because we know he is on mission, on a mission much grander than we can conceive. Here's the thing, though. If we meet these criteria here, these prerequisites, these conditions, I'm not sure that we will ask for anything that's outside of his will. Because I think the more we, we, we walk with him, the more we study him, the more we know him, our prayers will be more and more in a line in alignment with his will and what he wants. When we look horizontally at, at tragedies and hard things in our lives that God did not take away, we tend to look at them through human eyes and horizontally, and, and we want to make sense of it this way. And God says, my ways are not your ways. I got some thinking going on that you have no idea because I'm God and you're not. And I'm doing some things here, so just trust me. You trust me. Because I'm doing a greater thing. And I'm gonna bring glory to my name through these heartbreaks that you face. Just keep trusting me. Just keep looking to me. This, this idea of in the name of Jesus, if you ask in my name, what does that mean? In the name of Jesus, in the name of, it means by his authority, but it also means in the way of Jesus, in the way of Jesus. When I'm asking something in Jesus' name, I'm saying I want to do it Jesus' way. 
to make it more practical, I had to think through this and go, what about my own dad? If I said to somebody who knew my father, in the name of my dad, would you mind doing this? Okay, so I know my dad, I knew my dad very well. He passed away a number of years ago, but I knew my dad really well. And if I were to ask somebody, I went over to Nick and said, hey, Nick, dude, can, can you do this? And it was something I'm asking Nick to do. My dad would totally turn over in his grave. I'm not asking in the name of my father. I'm asking in my name now. And so it has to be in line with the one I'm naming. My dad in my life growing up was so consistent I can name two times when my dad made a decision that was out of character for him. One, our, my, when I was a senior in high school, I begged him to buy this aluminum speedboat. Just a boat. We already had the motor, and he bought it. I was going, oh my word, dad did that? It was way out of character. <laughs> it was a beautiful thing. <laughs> when I, so... Growing up in Brazil on the Amazon River, when you graduate from high school, it's not like I'm going to go to college across the state or in the town over. It's fly away. I flew away from my home. Out of Manaus, Brazil, up to Atlanta, and to Portland, and eventually Seattle. And my parents are there, actually, at the beginning, and went to Wisconsin. But I remember thinking... Any decision that I faced, I would not need to go ask my dad because I knew what he would decide. I knew what he would do. I knew what he would say because I knew him that well. And I think there's a parallel here that as we dig into our relationship with God and, and learn who he is and understand and know him more and more and more, We begin to understand more about what he is about, and when we bring our requests to him, we do so more in alignment with his will. Even when we don't understand his will, we say, Lord, according to your will, because we know that he's got this. And then I entrust myself to him on the outcome, even if a loved one dies, as hard and as excruciating it is. I'm understanding that God understood what was going on and he must have allowed this for his purposes. And he will redeem that. He will glorify himself in the midst of that. That's why we don't mourn the same as those who don't know Christ. It is tragic and we do mourn, but not the same way. In the name of my Father. In the name of Jesus. So does God answer prayer? Some he will not. Others he does. We see over and over in scripture where God answers prayer. You've seen it in your own lives where he has answered prayer in an amazing way. But there are times we see he did not answer prayer. When Moses went up on the mountain, remember to receive the Ten Commandments? Remember how that story went? Moses going, God, now here's a guy who had been walking with God. He was the leader of the people and God was using him and they were talking to each other. And Moses said, God, I would like to see you. Could I see your face? And they had an intimate relationship. God said, you have no idea what you're asking, Moses. If you see my face, you're dead. 
Because no man, no person can see my face and live. There's too much glory. And so God shows him his glory and Moses' head's glowing. He came down from the mountain and his head's on fire almost. It was good that God said, no, Moses, you can't do that. Imagine Joseph. When Joseph was thrown into that pit by his brothers, what do you imagine his prayers were? God, deliver me. Get me out of here. And then this caravan heading to Egypt comes along and they sold him. Human trafficking. He was trafficked. As he's in that caravan, Lord, what's going on? Save me. He ends up in Potiphar's house. Lord, get me out of here. He ends up in prison. Lord, get me out of here. God never answered, yes, I'll get you out. He did not answer that. He let him be in there because he had a bigger plan. And we know how that ends. And it has a glorious ending. So God said, not yet, Joseph. You just keep walking with me. You be faithful with me. And I'm going to do amazing things through you. So eventually, perhaps we could say his prayers were answered. He emerged at the top of the heap in all of Egypt and all of the world. Amazing. But that's what God was up to. It's a great picture, you all, that when we are praying and asking God for things, whatever it may be, know that he's got this big grand plan that's going on and how does this align with what he is doing? And so we submit it to that. And boy, doesn't it calm us down? Brings peace. God will not answer in the affirmative. He will not answer in yes if it does not align with his mission. His timeline is not our timeline. He is infinite. We're bound by our linear existence. Thing is, he knows our prayers long before we ask them. God chooses to use our prayers, you all. He does use our prayers. He just knows a long time ago exactly what you were going to be praying. And he uses our prayers to act. Does it change who God is? No, it does not change who God is. But he will use our prayers. If you go back in the book of Revelation, we pastors were talking about this just the other day in the book of Revelation where it talks about the bowls. And one of those bowls is the prayers of the saints. They're being collected. Your prayers are being collected by God. So our prayers are not ignored. They're not only heard by God, but they're being collected. And they become an incense that become effectual. God does use prayer to change things. Over and over again, we see that in Scripture. Well-known verse in 2 Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal all that. If you do this, I'm gonna do that. And we see God do those kinds of things all the time. A repentant sinner coming to Jesus, he meets them every time. He will never, ever turn away a repentant sinner. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every time, faithful, 100% of the time. But here's another thing about prayer. Prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. It prepares our hearts. It reminds us of our need. It brings us back to our desperate dependency upon God. It reminds us of our need of his mercy. 
It exercises our faith in him. It realigns us with him. It deepens our relationship with him. (laughs) And there's that old joke, which is really not a joke. When you see a need in the church, I wish somebody would, would lead this ministry. Pray about that. Let's pray that God would raise up somebody. And it's usually the person that's praying that gets raised up to lead it. Funny how that works. <laughs> because we're being realigned. We're being aligned as we seek God in prayer. He is aligning ourselves with himself. Point number three, the plea of prayer. The plea of prayer, and what I really mean by this is God's invitation to you to pray to him, to bring your requests to him, to bring your words, your worship, your adoration, your praise to him. He wants that. He desires that. He makes a way for us to do this by his spirit in Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We don't even know what to say. The Holy Spirit will help us to do that. He'll actually bring the words to Christ, who then brings them to the Father. Matthew 11, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, come, bring it. I can handle it, it's easy for me. Bring your heavy stuff to me. I will lighten your load. I will comfort you. Come, bring them to me. An invitation to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's his will that we pray consistently. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. I love that. Be steadfast in prayer. Just keep praying, keep praying, but then watch. It's like that Psalm, Psalm 5, the psalmist says, oh Lord, in the morning, I'll lift up my prayer and then I'm gonna watch to see what you're gonna do. There is intentionality. There is an engagement with God on what he is doing as he engages us through our prayers. Hebrews 14, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. He is there. He is saying, come, I got it, but you come seek me. James 5, if any, anyone among you, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and so forth. God invites us over and over and over to pray to him. He invites us to seek him continually, consistently, persistently, and aggressively. He delights you all. God delights in the prayers of his people as we seek him. So why do we pray? Let me conclude with these things. Why do we pray? Why do we pray? We pray because God has commanded it and because he is glorified when we pray. Think about that. God is glorified when you pray. 
We pray because it prepares our hearts for what we will receive from him. We pray because much is accomplished by prayer. We pray to adore God, to praise him, to express our wonder at his majesty, his sovereignty, and his mighty acts. We pray to confess to God our sins, numerous as they are, and to experience grace, mercy, and forgiveness at his hand. We pray to thank him for all that he is and all that he has done. We pray to make our supplication known to him to fulfill the invitation he has left us. And our ultimate model is Jesus Christ. He prayed so much. When you just start digging the scripture and watch how much Jesus prayed, you go, wow, he's the son of God. And he was praying all the time. Matthew 14, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Mark 1.35, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Luke 5.16, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Time and again, Jesus pulled away to pray, to spend time with the Father. If the Son of God, who is God himself, was devoted to prayer like this, what does that say for us? We ought to be devoted to prayer. We ought, and God will change you. He will grow you. He will answer. He may not answer. He is alive. He is engaging you on his mission when you seek him in prayer. And I'm telling you, like I said at the beginning, God is glorified when we pray. Our sole duty of mankind is to give him glory. And when we give him glory, our lives are most fulfilled. Your life will have the most meaning. It's counterintuitive to our flesh. Because our flesh just wants to do its own thing. It wants to be independent and self-dependent. It does not want to depend on anybody else, even God. (laughs) That's why God goes, come to me. You need me desperately. So we seek him and he changes us. He conforms us to the image of his son, as we have said. Mark 26, 39, and he went a little beyond them, Jesus, and fell on his face and prayed, said, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus said, please don't make me go to the cross. That was Jesus' prayer. The son of God who came to die in the end was going, Lord, father, take this away from me. Please, I don't want to do this. And the father said, no, the answer is no, son. You need to die in order to save the lost. But Jesus prayed according to the father's will. He said, but not my will, thine be done. Aligning himself with the father's will. But we know he was in great agony. He was sweating drops as if it were blood. And he was in agony as he prayed and asked the Lord to take it away. And he submitted to the will of the Father gladly. That's why in the end he was able to say, it is finished. We did it. Paid in full. Praise the Lord. God the Father didn't say, yeah, you're right, son. It's going to be too much. Let's bag it. We would be lost forever. It'd be over. But instead, there was a grander plan. God was on mission as he is even today with us. Praise the Lord that Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father and willingly went to the cross and suffered and he died. 